We are now live. Mm. Talking straight business with my man, Glenn Friedman. Glenn, thank you so much for being here, man. Oh, really, real pleasure, guys. I uh, haven't been here in more than a year, and uh, thanks for the welcome back. Yeah, it's always always a blast having you. Um, for people watching who don't know exactly who Glenn is, can you give us a 30-second intro? Sure, sure. I, I like giving this intro at my uh, at my networking event every month, but my history is pretty simple. I moved down from New York City four years ago. Uh, my wife's family lives down here in Fleming Island. Had no no real estate experience. I uh, went to lots of meetups because uh, I've been an entrepreneur for most of my life and didn't really want to get a job. I'm too old to get a job and work for somebody else. So I joined Jack's Rhea. Uh, the first Jack's Rhea event I went to, Gonzalo was the speaker. They talked about wholesaling. Mm. And at the end of the meeting, I said, I have to join Jack's Rhea. And uh, Jack's Rhea was probably- I'm the, a closer. Yeah, Jack's Rhea was, some of, <laughs> was, was probably the best money I've ever spent yes. here at Jack's Best so, ROI, right? You know, the, it's the best return <clears throat> on investment you can possibly imagine. It's two ninety nine for the first year, ninety nine bucks a year afterwards. You can't, you can't get. It's insane. It really, it really is terrific. Yes. So after that, I just went to lots and lots of meetings and just kind of meeting people. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And eventually, I found somebody who was into short term rentals, and you know, slowly but surely, I got involved in short term rentals, and now. You know, here I am four years later. I own 19 Airbnbs here in Jacksonville, mm -hmm. uh, mainly on the west side of Jacksonville. Uh, and I also have a private lending company where we lend money to flippers who you know, rehab houses. And again, how did I get involved in that? I didn't even know that existed as a business, but I went to a networking meeting and somebody stood up and said, hey, I have some money I'd like to lend out. And I said, I have some money too I'd like to lend out. And I don't know how to do it. And I met a young couple who had flipped a couple houses and he was great. And I've lent I've lent him more than you know two million dollars over the last four years on a dozen deals, and he's been just fantastic. And you know I, I've raised some private capital with friends and family, and I also do split loans. So uh, really involved. We did a loan together. Yep, we did a yeah. loan together. And uh, split loans are terrific for people who <clears throat> have no idea what private lending is, and it's great returns, very passive. So and on top of that, I you know now run a networking meeting on Fleming Island uh, at Whitey's Fish Camp. We we did it today. 50 people 50 people today for lunch awesome, at fleming man. island it's like that's insane good luck with that one bro so. we couldn't get 50 people at the aloft with freaking free Kyle beer Paskowitz speaking so that's awesome yeah well yeah. that's the power of consistency as yeah. well yeah correct right. you've and, been really consistent right. for a long time and it's the same thing as this <laughs> it's consistently doing your show every week and yep. you know, adding value and, and that's what we try to do we try to say so what value can we bring to the real estate environment real estate in, uh, community here and what value can you bring? You know, can you bring to us? And we try right. to say, look, we, we don't get paid for this. You know, this is my way of giving back. And just, I, I didn't have any of this four years ago. I didn't know about any of this. So four years later, I've made a you know, good amount of money. Really happy, and I, I love it. I really have drank the cool <clears throat> Yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Really quick, if I could just jump in, you said private loans, very passive. You meant for the split loan investor, right? Someone right. that's lending with you, and then you're taking care of the all of the legwork, and they've just provided the money. Uh, no, no, they, they don't part the money. So generally, I split a loan. When, when people call me up and say, "Hey, I, I want to flip a house and I need to borrow 150 grand or 100 grand," if I don't have the money or I have some of the money, then I call other people who who I've who I've gotten to meet over the last several years and say, "Hey, do you have funds? Would you like to split a loan together?" And then we do a split loan, which means that you put in. It could be 50-50. It could be 90-10, where we're on one note and mortgage. So a note is just a promissory note. I promise to pay you back. A mortgage is just your collateral. So if you don't pay me back, we get the house. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I don't want the house. I just want to get paid my money back. And for private you know, private lenders, the typical rates are 1% interest a month, so 12% annual interest, plus you make two points up front or three points up front, and that's your fee to do the loan. Got it, got it. So the passive part is with the person that's lending <clears throat> with you? Right. Or so, I mean, even you feel like it's well, passive? It's, it's, it is the most passive part of real estate. So. You know, Mike Rangian runs one of the Jack Rhea classes, and he always talks about the uh, education of a real estate investor. So it comes from you start, you could start with wholesaling, then you go on to rent, oh, rental houses, yeah. and the, the evolution of eventually you want to be a lender. Because at, at the end of the day, I want my money working for me, so that I'm not working for you know I'm not trading time for money. So when you have some assets, you could you could deploy the assets, put them out there, and eventually the money makes its the money makes money on its own. And if you could do it in your IRAs, which I try to do a lot of the a lot of the lending in my IRA accounts, it grows either tax deferred or tax free. So that when I hit 59 and a half, you know, I can start taking out the money, pay no taxes. Mm. So on that note, <clears throat> how much volume, if you don't mind me asking, 
are you typically lending out there? Well, my typical deal is about about 150, 200 grand. Okay. <clears throat> right now, with with you know all the buckets of money, I have about five million dollars. So it's a combination of my money, friends and family money who I've raised privately, uh, and then people who I've met here in Jacksonville. Gotcha. Uh, and that's and that's very small compared to other private lenders, other lenders or hard money lenders. And private money, hard money, it, there's not a lot of distinctions. Hard money lenders are mainly institutions. It could be money coming from Wall Street, it could be money coming from pensions or hedge funds. Private money is generally individuals, and right. it could be just your own money. You, know, you could be a private lender lending out fifty grand. You're out for one loan. You get the money back. Now you lend out fifty-three grand, and you lend yep. out fifty-seven grand. Yeah. Uh, but you know, as as the couple of years have gone on. Uh, I, I've just decided to take a lot more money out of the stock market. I had a bunch of my my retirement accounts in stock market. And I said, look, if, if I'm going to be in real estate seven days a week, doing this, really passionate about it, I, I want to learn all I can, and I'm willing to put my money my money on the line. Yeah. Because if I'm going to do a loan with somebody else, I, I'm going to be in the loan. I'm not going to have I'm not going to broker the loan, which means I'm not going to take your money and put it in somebody else's <laughs> house. So I'm going to be in every loan with my partners. Sure. Because I, I want I want to make sure that they get taken care of. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm doing the due diligence. So I really feel the obligation to do that. So yeah, out of the 5 smart. million that you're lending right now, do you mostly have it all out all of the time? Are there parts of where you have a lot of it where it's tough to lend or what's the no, so far So far in Jacksonville, there's way more deals than money. So, I mean, ground floor came to Jacksonville, did, you know, did a joint venture with Mike Ranchin, and he's lent between 50 and $75 million over the last year. If he could do that over the last year, believe me, my $5 million is nothing. Yeah. You know, and there are other private lenders here in Jacksonville. Somebody came to the meeting today. They have an $8 million fund. Yeah. Uh, you, obviously, you try to keep all the money out as much as possible, and that is a balance. So you don't want to keep, you want to keep some reserves in the bank, but obviously, if you're paying your investors all the time, then you want to, you want to try to deploy the money as much as possible. So I, I try to balance as much as possible. When, when people call me and say, you know, do you have funds? And I don't, then I recommend them to other people. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. That's awesome. So, how much money do you have on you right now in your pocket? I got about a hundred dollars. Oh, nice. Not five million. Not not five million. I mean, I can write five million on a piece of paper if you'd like, and yeah, you know, that'll work. <laughs> Put it in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. I owe you. Right. Okay. That's awesome. So, so, what I I want to get back to what made Glenn because I don't think we've ever dug deep in our podcast um, with like your experience as an entrepreneur before you got into real estate and coming to jacksonville four years in everybody knows glenn everybody's done a deal with glenn glenn's you've either bought a house with them or lent them money or they've gone to your meetup or whatever so like what makes you who you are well, well you know what made me you know thank god my uh, parents made me and uh you know i came from new york I, I had an entrepreneurial background i worked i worked for a chain of comic book stores as a teenager Okay. Uh, and then after that, you know, after I graduated college back in the early '90s, way before you guys, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I did, I worked for small businesses. Uh, eventually, I went to my ten-year high school reunion and met a guy who was day trading socks at the time in mid '90s, and he said you would be really good at this. And uh, I wound up trading socks for a number of years, for eight years, uh, on Wall Street, working for a firm with 400 traders. And eventually, mm -hmm. so you start working, you start trading the firm's <clears throat> capital, and eventually, when you build up enough capital, you can trade your own capital. And that was really just the epitome of risk reward. So the whole idea of you can go into work with no positions, you could come out of work, you could make $1,000, you could make $50,000, you could lose $10,000. Uh, so a lot of it is just balancing risk and reward. And I think that has really helped me a lot when it comes to real estate. So the whole concept it. of it's not how much it's not how much I can make on a, <clears throat> on a deal or a loan or a flip or whatever. It's right. how much I can lose. So you know, Warren Buffett, one of the jokes about Warren Buffett is, you know, he always says, you know, rule one, don't lose money. Rule two, follow rule one. Yeah. Yep. Pretty basic. So is, was it anything like the movie Pursuit of Happiness, where it's that tough to get a role as a stock trader? If you saw the movie, if you yeah. didn't see the movie, no. like he went through, I don't know, 30 or 60 days of testing. There's a room filled with 30 or 40 people. One person gets the job. <clears throat> right. So this was, this was a company, a day trading firm that was started... Uh, by a father-son team, and they only hired sports guys from Ivy League schools because they wanted the most <clears> aggressive <throat> guys with, who, who were obviously very bright. I did not go to an Ivy League school. I went to Binghamton, upstate New York, you know, state school, which is great, nice and cheap for my parents. And you played basketball, and, right? Uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> when you're five foot nothing, you play uh, basketball. And, yes, uh, that's what you do. So I, I can say I, that. I, I, I could say I that. Yeah, I couldn't get an interview because even though my friend worked there and tried to get me an interview, I could not. And the only way I got an interview is because I knew a woman 
in the back office who I went to college with, and she was pretty important in the back office. And she asked the HR guy, would give me an interview. And I got hired literally because of her and nothing else. That's so, awesome. but at, at, not well, because you did well on the interview. Not because nothing. I, I literally, <clears throat> you know, when I met with the uh, one of the owners the second time, he's like, "I have to hire you because if not, then Jackie's going to yell at me." So, uh, oh, so it was. Yeah. It, it really was just you know dumb luck, you know God's good graces, and uh, yeah. And then when, once I got there, it was an opportunity that I was just not going to screw up, mm-hmm. and I just worked harder than everybody else. Not everybody else, obviously. I mean, I did very well, but I says I just said, look. A lot of these guys are smarter than I am. That, that doesn't mean anything. It's like 95% of it is showing up and doing the work. Yeah. 95% of life is like that. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the book Grit, you know, from Angela Duckworth, you know, that's a great book. Uh, mm. Just you know, she she's trying to understand how people can how people who who uh, get into West Point and the military academies, they spend their whole life wanting to get in there and then some percentage of them drop out immediately. It's like, well, how does that happen? And it's the idea that I'm just gonna work hard and have a work ethic and where does that work ethic come from? I wish I could tell you. Right. Hmm. And so your stockbroker, you're making all these moves. A trader, not a broker. Or a broker trader. Is, is other people, right? Okay. So you're a stock trader. What makes you pivot out of that and move on to the market turned? You know, not not okay. dissimilar to the real estate market turning now. You know, the stock market was great from '98 through 01, 02. And then 03, 04, 05 was just kind of terrible years. Mm. And you would go weeks without making any money. And it was just just painful. Yeah. You know, the idea that you would go in, work hard, do as best you can, and then you know, leave at the end of the month and you lost money. <laughs> you, you can't do that for very long. Right. right and right. You know, part of me wishes I had stayed with tr- with stock trading because <clears throat> it was just it was the most exciting time of my life with regards to work. But it's just it was such an emotional roller coaster uh, when you were not doing well. And a lot of people just kind of went on to other things. And I, and I wound up having a franchise for 10 years and then moved to Jacksonville. I was like, all right, let's try something else. You know, my wife likes to joke that, you know, every five or 10 years, I, you know, I try something new because I, yeah. I get bored of, of what I was doing before. But I, real estate is just something that you you could easily stay in it your whole life. And it becomes, it, it, is a real, it really can be a passion. And, and there's so many different aspects of real estate. That's one of the great things about it. You go to a meeting, you meet five people, five people are making money in real estate all different ways. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it doesn't get boring because everything is, is you know, new again. And it's not just shiny penny theory. One of the one of the challenges, of course, is, oh, I don't know how to pick a path. Well, I mean, I didn't know I was going to own a bunch of Airbnbs. I didn't know I was going to do private lending, but that seemed that seemed to fit what I needed at the time. And so far, it's worked out well. Will I do that in three years or five years? I don't know. <clears throat> you know will there be other you know, other models that come out? I went to a Jack's Rea presentation recently on pad split, which is effectively an Airbnb renting by the room for people who have you know, very modest means. And it sounds fascinating as a way to fulfill, you know, fill the niche of people who can't afford you know, housing that's out there. Right. So as far as right now, you're four years into Jacksonville real estate, right? Or you're four years in Jacksonville and really real estate, right? So is private money lending your favorite thing? It really is. You know, private oh. money lending is, is the best business for the long term, mainly because of the tax benefits that you could do it in your IRA. So if you think about it, let's, right, let's say let's right, say you have hundred right, grand right. in your IRA, okay, and if you, if you're <clears> lending <throat> it out at roughly fifteen percent return a year, you know the the law of, law of seventy two is take seventy two, divide any number into seventy two. That's how how fast it doubles. Yep. So fifteen percent, I mean, it could double every five ish years, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, four hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand. You know, in ten or twenty years, you could have a couple million dollars, and as long as long as you you manage the risk, and that could be your whole retirement. Right. And, you, and you don't need you don't need $20 million. I'm not, you know, there are plenty of people in, in town who are way wealthier than I am, but I, I also have a fairly modest life. You know, so I, you know, I drive my five-year-old, my five-year-old Camry with 120,000 miles. And, you know, my son was, you know, my son who's 16 goes to high school is joking, you know, why don't we get a you know, nice fancy car? It's like, yeah, I can afford a fancy car tomorrow, but I'd rather take that money and either lend it out or you know, flip a couple houses or do something with it that'll grow assets. Because to me, you know, the, the secret of life is, is owning things growing your asset base so that you can enjoy so that you can enjoy the money you have. Right. Right. Okay. Um, really quick. So you've done a, a, a variation of different things in real estate. Are you like genuinely curious um, or do you like to test the waters to see what you like? Well, I, I mean, I like to think of myself as a curious person because it's always fascinating how other people got to where they are. Right. So yeah, there are certain things about real estate right now. That, that I don't like. So wholesaling is one of these areas where it's like, I, I don't want to wholesale. I have wholesaled one or two houses over the years. 
I've done a couple of joint ventures where we've wholesaled, but I'm not really somebody who likes the idea of wholesaling. So that doesn't intrigue me. I've done a couple of flips, a couple poorly. You know, I, I was involved in a flip where at one point I was going to lose a hundred thousand dollars. Mm, uh, and you figured a hack. And, and literally I had to just work my way through it. And, you know, thank God for the market. Thank God for the market yeah. for the last couple of years. Cause <laughs> you know, like many people, the market you know, bailed my ass out on that Hell flip. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, it was a beautiful flip. I don't think I made any money on it, but it didn't matter. But it was great experience, and I said, "Okay, never again. I'm not never going to do that again." Is that yeah. the one where you split the lot Correct. and Correct. sold the lot separately? Yeah, Julian, like yeah, Julian's Creek Road, which is it was a beautiful house, but I hired the wrong contractor. He just didn't do great work, and eventually, I was you know, way, way, way deep into it. And when I asked other contractors to come take over the project, I mean, everybody kind of like, "Yeah, I'm not taking over this project. This is a yeah. horror show." Oh, yeah. And I was I was already into it for one hundred fifty thousand dollars in rehab. <clears throat> And I had another hundred and fifty thousand dollars oh, to go, shit. and there was just no way out of it. And I yeah. just you know, kind of—is there a chance you broke even on that? Probably not. Probably not. Probably okay. not. I tell my wife I broke even, but I, I probably didn't. Ah. <laughs> so, well, you got to go home and talk exactly. to your wife every yeah, day. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we funny. lost seventeen grand on uh, one of our rehabs, one of our Airbnbs, right, from a bad contractor. Yeah, fourteen k on Hennessy. On Hennessy. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I have yeah. a loan. I have a loan right now, right now, out to a, a flipper who's done a number of flips. She does fantastic work, and she's had the loan for five months. And the contractor just really screwed her over, and now she has a red notice. Mm. So a red notice for for anybody who doesn't know, it's like it's a red stop. Tag. It's a stop work order. You can't do anything. All of a sudden, you need to. Get Gary, Gary, what's a what's a red tag, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> you have to get a general contractor, an engineering plan, stuff like that, and yeah, you know, the loan's going to go much, much longer than expected. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out a way to make sure that that we feel comfortable with the, with the loan in place and that she feels comfortable with, with the amount of money that she may or may not make because right. this market is a market where it has really kicked people in the balls over the last few months. And we have to be really careful going yep. forward with lending. And so one of the things, yeah. you know, I talked to other private lenders. There's a, there's a great Facebook page called Private Private Lending Lessons, I think it's called, oh, wow. on Facebook. And I, I, I talked to, talk to other smaller lenders around the country about what they're doing and stuff they're putting into place to to lessen their risk profile. And, and obviously everybody's saying the same thing. Don't lend as much. You know, be more conservative when it comes to right. numbers. LTVs. Yep. LTVs. Wise. Yep. Right. So I was talking I was talking to a, a borrower today <clears throat> and you know, he sent me an address and I'm looking at comps and he thinks comps are here and I think the comps are a little lower. And I said, I just I can't lend on this because I don't know if this is going to take three months. I don't know where the market's going to be in three months. Right. I know that the Federal Reserve has one job where they believe they have one job which is to get inflation down and you know we're we're going to take the brunt of that bruising because they're just going to keep knocking up interest rates. Now, uh, for people who follow mortgage guys online, one of the guys that uh, that I love listening to is a guy named uh, Barry Habib. Uh, it's H A B I B, Barry Habib. And he's uh, just a, a mortgage guru. People pay thousands of dollars to subscribe to his newsletters and videos, and he thinks that the, that we're actually close to the peak of the interest rate uh, market right now and that come the end of the first quarter, early second quarter next year, the rates will come down to the mid fives. And that'd be great because I mean, right now it's 7% for regular people and eight, nine, 10% for investors. Mm -hmm. It's just very hard to get out of loans. Yeah, for anything that makes Dude, sense. So when I, when I started wholesaling, the buy and hold buyers could pay more than the flippers. And now with interest rates, the flippers are paying more than the buy and hold buyers. Because right. when they're looking at cashing out and their cash flow, it's like, hey, this only makes sense as a flip deal because if I buy this as a long-term hold, I need to buy it ten grand lower. Mm -hmm. um, so <clears throat> when you were talking about people saying to lend less or to be more conservative, you talked about. Um, I'm sorry, real quick, Habib. What was the first name? Barry, uh, Barry, Barry Habib. Barry. Yep. So you talked about. Uh, you gave an example, right? So someone said that ARVs are here. You felt they're here. So. Maybe you're being more realistic or a little bit conservative, but do you also have to like think future tense on what the ARV is going to be three months from now? Do you have to like adjust an additional five percent? I, I don't think so because again, I don't know that. I, again, I don't. I, I don't know where prices are going to be three or six months from now. <clears throat> Obviously, prices at the at the peak of Jacksonville, prices were four hundred thousand. The median price point, fifty percent of the houses above, fifty percent below, four hundred thousand. They've come down to three eighty already. Mm -hmm. So now they're down five percent. Can they come down another five or ten percent? Sure. You know, could they come down twenty or twenty-five percent? I think that's unlikely. Partly because I think that the reasons that caused this the housing crash a number of years ago really had to do with lending standards. 
And if you look at the number of people who the, the credit profile of people who've gotten mortgages over the last five years, wildly different than what they were back in back in the 05 to 08. So I just don't think there's going to be that housing overhang where people have to get out of houses. If you have a house that you bought for 150000 and now it's worth two fifty or 300 yeah, it's going to suck if it goes back down being worth two hundred. but it's not forced to sell. Mm -hmm. You still have room. There will always be deals that where people have to move or divorce or death and plenty of other reasons why houses have to sell. But there are so many people right now, more than 90% of people who have mortgages have mortgages lower than the current mortgage rates. So they don't have to sell unless they have to sell. So a lot of people are what are called locked in. Yep. And if you have yep. a 3% mortgage, there's tremendous value in the 3% mortgage itself. Yep. And yes, it's going to feel, it's not going to feel great that your house, <clears throat> that your neighbor sold at the peak of the market in the spring, got $300,000 and now your house is only worth 220 or 250. Yeah, that sucks. But it doesn't really matter for an investor on the other hand, what matters is cash flow. Yep. So as long as my as long as my monthly mo monthly rent or Airbnb income is more than the mortgage, over the long term <clears> I'm <throat> going to win because that house is that mortgage is slowly going to get paid down, and I'm going to have more and more value in the house. So mm. what are, what are your current lending terms, or what is, where are you most comfortable with what you lend out to the public or to people that you know? So I mean my pretty my standard rates are one percent interest a month. So it comes out to 12% annual okay. and then a couple points up front. So two, generally 2%. Uh, but that's actually going to change as, as interest rates have gone from the threes to sevens. You're now all of a sudden the people who, who I've borrowed money from, they want to get more return. So now right. as opposed to getting 8%, now they want 10% or 11%. So if they, if they want more, then I'm going to have to bump up my rates. And it's, and it's pretty reasonable to assume if their rates are going up, our rates are going to go up. It's, yeah. it's the days of getting 6% money or 8% money are just, it's, it's going to be much harder, especially if the Fed continues to raise interest rates, which is what they have to do. Now, again, mortgage rates and, and the Fed funds rate are not exactly correlated. Generally, mortgage rates follow what are, with the 10-year treasury, generally 150 to 200 basis points above that. So if the 10-year treasury right now is 4%, rates are going to be in the mid-sixes, the sevens for, right. for regular people with yep. regular jobs. Yeah. You know, we're not regular people with regular jobs. You know, we, you know, we're real estate investors. We want to pay little or no taxes and we want to you know, claim little or no income. So our, the way that we qualify for, for loans is based on the asset. Right. So these are called debt service loans, debt mm -hmm. service coverage ratio loans. And the lender who's going to lend you money on that wants to make sure that your rent, Airbnb rent or long-term rent is equal to or better than the mortgage. And that's so it has to be at least generally a one-to-one -one -one. ratio. It could be less, but if it's less, then you're going to pay more. And then all of a sudden, if your if your interest rate is eight, nine, or ten percent, you're not going to cash flow. You're not going to make any money. And why are you going to do a buy and hold if you're not going to make any money, hoping for appreciation over the next X number of years? Right, right. right. And then, so do you like to stay inside of like seventy-five percent or lower? LTV? Generally, yeah, generally sixty to sixty to seventy percent is a sweet spot for me. Now, now that could of differ, ARV, right? 60, 60 to seventy percent of, of of the after repair value. If a house is worth three hundred thousand, I generally want to lend between one hundred eighty and two hundred ish thousand dollars on a, on a house, all in, because God forbid you get hit by a bus tomorrow. I have to go through a foreclosure process. I have to sell the property. This is going to take months. If nobody's working on the house, the value of the house as is is going down. So there's there is a margin there that you have to maintain safety wise. Right. So you can't give. And again, there are lenders who give 100% of the asset value, 90%, but those are for very experienced borrowers. You know, if, I have a, if I have a very experienced borrower, then I might lend a whole 100% of the purchase price and some of the rehab or none of the rehab. Right. And it really depends on, on the borrower and their experience <clears throat> level. But Got most it. of the time, if they have just maybe one or two under their belt, you want them to have skin in the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I want them to have skin in the game. And it could be as little as, as 5 or 10% of the purchase price, but if I do... If I do 100% of the purchase price, then you have to bring all of your money to rehab. Right. So let's let's use an example of you you buy a house for 150,000 and it needs 50 in rehab. I might lend you the whole 150,000 up front, but you have to do the whole rehab yourself. And you can right. get the money from anywhere, not out of your own pocket. You can borrow from somebody else. It doesn't matter to me. For every dollar that you make that house better, my risk goes down a little at a time. So by the time the house sells for or is on the market for 275, now I'm only in it for 150. Right now, what right, about right. the condition of the property? If it's really atrocious, does that affect your decision? Not particularly. Uh, it everything has pe a price. People, <clears throat> people either bet on the horse or the jockey, uh, and this is one of the, the jokes that goes around with private lenders. Am I betting on the horse, the house, okay, the asset, or the jockey, the person who's actually going to rehab right. the house? And mm -hmm. I really do believe in betting more on the jockey. Yeah. 
Even though all lenders will say, hey, it's an investment loan. I'll lend on the, it's an asset-based loan. But what's your experience? Right. It's so funny because it's like all these hard money lenders, and which I don't blame them, right? But it's like, hey, I love that house. It's awesome. I'm, I'm an asset-based lender, but you got to qualify for the loan. Correct. Which, and, and, and which somebody, it is what it is. And for somebody who's brand new, if you, know, if you come across a deal, and I talk about this in our <clears> whitest <throat> meetings all the time, the hardest part of fi finding an opportunity is finding the deal. Yeah. If you could find the deal, you will easily find the money, and you may or may not have to find a joint venture partner. So I've had Correct. people come to me and say, hey, I've never done a flip before. This is the house. And I say, ooh, this is a great deal. You're buying it at a great price, but I cannot lend you this money because you have no idea what you're doing. Right. So right. here are some people that you could reach out to, try to do a joint venture, and it's much better to get 50% of a deal or 25% of a deal. You know, Pat Flynn talks about this a lot. It's like, the important thing is getting the deal done. It's not making all the money up front. 100%. You know, we, still, I, we still do JVs with them all the time. Yep. Right. We got yeah, like two or three where they buy it, we bring the deal, they bought it, they're renovating it, and then they kick us off a portion of the back end. Right. And, and yeah. again, why not? Uh, well, I mean, you, I mean, you, got, you guys have a whole business based on you know, one area of real estate. Why get involved in different areas of real estate? Yeah. But for people who haven't done a deal, the hardest part is the first deal. It's it's very scary. Yeah. It's very easy to be like, well, I'm just going to sit here and watch YouTube videos and you know pay $3,000 for his course and $12,000 for that course. And oh my God, I've spent $100,000 on courses and I haven't done anything yet except spend $100,000 on courses. You have to get out and do a deal, <clears throat> right? but you need to do the numbers beforehand. And if you don't know what the hell that means, talk to somebody else. And that's one of the things I love about Jacksonville is you come down here, you could go to a meeting and just people are so damn friendly in real estate because they love talking. About, I love talking about real estate. You guys love talking about real estate. You know, if I could talk about real estate 24 seven, I would, it really is a lot of fun. You get involved with a lot of people yeah. and, but you, but there are people out there who could help you. I can help you. You guys would help. It, it just, you have to get out there and go to meetings, meet people and eventually just do something. Yeah. Let me ask you we'll this. We'll only help if they uh, sign up for our course. It's only, right. it's only $10,000 a week. Well, one of us had a course at one point and it wasn't me. Yes. <laughs> correct. Well, we were doing seminars. Right. Exactly. And, and you came to one. I did. We gave you a VIP pass. Yeah, I didn't pay for it, but it was no, nice. No, 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 no. Yeah, but yeah. I had to sit in front of You paid of for it in other ways. I, right. I, I had to register people. With, nice. with your friendship. Correct. So you have one of the <laughs> most popular, if not the most popular lunch meetup, real estate meetup in Jacksonville in all of Northeast Florida. How did it get so popular? And maybe just let people know where it is right, or so when it occurs. So we, we do a uh, we do a meeting uh, on the fourth Tuesday of the month at Whitey's Fish Camp in Fleming Island. And Fleming Island, for anybody who doesn't know, is in Jackson, you know, roughly outside of Jacksonville, right, right below. Two Orange hours Park. away. It's in Jacksonville, <laughs> but it's outside Jacksonville. Right. You you could drive for an hour and still be in Jacksonville in any direction. That's true. That's true. So when I first moved down here, there was a meeting being held at Whitey's. I went there. It was being run by a woman named Deb Bracknell. And it was a very small thing, oh, yeah. five people, eight people, maybe 10 people. And I went every month because I lived two minutes away. I thought, oh, sure, why not? And unfortunately, she got sick at one point and <clears throat> couldn't run the meetings anymore. And I was, I was invited to run the meeting myself. And I said, okay, well, what would I want in a meeting? Well, I want value. So I'll, let me bring in speakers. So let me bring in speakers to talk about different topics in real estate. Wholesaling, and I've had you guys at the meeting. Yeah. I brought in Al Nicoletti for probate. I bring in, uh, I brought in JWB spoke for at a meeting and slowly but surely people like, Hey, there's, there's real value in coming to this meeting. And one of the other things that I always do with the meeting, which should be done at every meeting, but it's not, is the idea that everybody should get a minute to minute, minute and a half to stand up and talk about what they do in real estate, what they're looking for, what they need help with. And that you go around the room, you kind of empower people to say, Hey, you know, this is what I, this is what I do. This is who I am. Yeah. I wound up having a guy come to a meeting and um, he said, you know, I, you know, I'd like to do private lending. I have no idea what the hell that means. So we had some, we had some coffees and lunches. It turns out this guy is very wealthy. He's got plenty of money. And so I've done a number of deals with him, but I would not have known that on a regular networking meeting where literally you go in, the speaker speaks, and then you talk amongst yourselves and nobody gets a chance to say anything. Right. Right. Everybody, has, everybody yeah. has a chance to, has to say something. Every meeting should have this. Right. And every meeting should have a forced, you know, meet, meet one other person. I, you know, I, I talked to today's meeting, you know, today's meeting at Whitey's, 50 people showed up, but, but Jeff Weller was the first person. He's like, oh my God, there's, there's nobody here. But by the end of the meeting, there were 50 people at the meeting at a lunch on Tuesday in Whitey's. Dude, so, that's awesome. so when everybody gets a chance <clears throat> to say, and again, a lot of people just like, I'm a realtor, I'm a this, I haven't done anything. It doesn't matter. It's like, yeah. I, no, I, that's you know, awesome. four years ago, I didn't have anything either. Yep. You know, and, and look, look how far you can do it. 
And I, and I say this all the time. It's like, you just have to get out there and do it. Go to the networking meetings, meet people yeah. and, and you pick a path. No, that's awesome. I remember when I, uh, when I first met you, I told Dom, I had the same reaction. I was like, this guy's very wealthy and he has a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I said the same thing. <laughs> that's awesome. So why is networking and hosting that meeting so important to you? Because because you want it's a lot of work. It, it's it's some it's some amount of work. I agree, but people like doing business with people they like, know, and trust. Yeah. And and that's really what it comes down to. It's not just the work ethic that I have that separates me from a lot of people. It's I do what I say I'm going to do, mm. uh, and that's it. It's like if I say I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. So find people who you do a deal with, and then they're like, hey, you know, Glenn does what he says he's going to do. He's an honest guy. Uh, he really you know, looks out for me and himself, and I'm going to go to the meeting. And literally, I would have a meeting with you know, 30 people, of which 20 of I've done deals with, whether or not I bought a house from, did yeah. a private lending deal with, yeah. you know, do an Airbnb with, just something. <clears throat> and Airbnb is another one where when we started doing the meetings uh, four, four years ago, nobody was into Airbnbs. You know, there was one <laughs> one woman who came and had a couple of Airbnbs in, in Anastasia Island, and people were like, Airbnb, bah, They're like, what the hell is that? And then I got one and then I had two and then I had five and 10 and people like, wow, this, this, this is real. And then I conned people into doing Airbnb. Yeah. So I literally would get people like, no, you need to do an Airbnb. Now you need to do an Airbnb. And of course that, that is a challenge because now yeah. there are three times now the number of Airbnbs right now. We have three times the number of Airbnbs we did four years ago and no. it, it is much more of an up and down business, but it really is a good business. So and it wasn't as an up and down business when you first started it was not. into it? It was not. Uh, mm. And especially because I, I decided early on that I wanted a niche into blue collar Airbnbs. Right. When people think about Airbnb, their first reaction is, oh, the beach, Avondale, Riverside, really nice areas. Right. And I wanted to buy cheaper houses on the west side because I always thought risk reward, you know, back from my stock trading days, what happens if Airbnb craps out tomorrow? Right. I have to get a long-term tenant. So I don't want to have a monthly nut of $3,000. I want my mortgages to be a thousand bucks, 1200 bucks. So when I went into it, I said, I, I, I want to buy cheaper houses, where the average nightly rate is going to be between 110 and 140 bucks, roughly. Yep. And some, so, you know, I've bought nicer houses since then, but not much nicer. Uh, and so, so that really has worked out for me, and that was my niche. And now you go, you, you go to the Whitey's meeting. You know, 30 percent of the people have Airbnbs, want to get into Airbnbs, and it's yeah. fun because because you can, now there's an Airbnb meetup. Right, there's an Airbnb yeah. meetup. That, you know, thanks to Jack. Which Shria, you host? Thanks to Jack Shria, you know, we uh, we started an Airbnb meetup. I'm one of the co-hosts with Christina yep. and Mike. Uh, and it's terrific. And that's, that is actually another very successful meeting for Jack Shreya. We get 30 to 50 people every month. It's we bring in speakers. My, one of my favorites. Yeah. We, br we bring in speakers. It's the same thing. It's like we add value, we give value, and we, we hope to get value back. Yeah. Are there any tips or secrets about owning a successful Airbnb that you can share with the public? No, people come to me and they say, well, how do you do the numbers on an Airbnb? So I generally, I generally start with, well, <clears throat> what's your mortgage payment going to be? Kind of work, work the numbers backwards. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm a math guy. So you start start with the mortgage payment. If your mortgage payment is going to be fifteen hundred bucks, you add in five or six hundred dollars a month for other expenses, utilities, pest control, lawn care, uh, internet stuff like that. So now you're at fifteen hundred dollar mortgage, five hundred dollars expenses ish. So let's call it two thousand dollars. That's my nut. And then I take that number and I divide it by fifteen because I want to because I, I base my uh, performance on fifty percent occupancy. So two thousand dollars divided by fifteen is about one hundred forty bucks or whatever. And okay, that's what I need to make. That's what I need to do to break even. Break even. And will, will I be able to break even? And that's, that's the way I kind of run my numbers. Mm. If you want to buy a $700,000 house on the beach with a pool and a hot tub and stuff like that, great. Just run your numbers differently than mine because now you have more mm. expenses. But, but your Airbnb might gross $8,000 a month or $10,000 a month. Right. What the challenge will be if the Airbnb market either does crap out or has really up and down months, there might be months where you, where you, you lose thousands of dollars. Yep. There's not going to be months where I lose, not, not many months. I've only had one month where I've lost money on my Airbnbs. <clears throat> and it's an, it's annoying. Uh, and you could lower, and you could keep lowering the price, but if you lower the price too much, you're not going to get the clientele who are going to, who are going to respect your house the way you need the houses to stay in shape. Whoa. What do you mean by that, Glenn? Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm fucking with you. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you mean by if you have a house on the beach, run your numbers different? Well, run your numbers different because your mortgage payment is going to be different. So somebody, somebody, somebody I've loaned money to, you know, their mortgage payment is going to be thirty five hundred dollars or four thousand dollars, and then they need you know money on top of that besides utilities. If they have a pool, 
you know, generally going to have a heated pool. Heated pool mm. might be $1,000 a month, you know, $500,000 a month on its own. Now, granted, they might gross $10,000 or $12,000 a month and might net forty grand a year, which is fantastic. Right. Uh, and right. I'm just not in that niche. I want them to stay in a niche where I just thought it would, it would work better for my risk profile. Right. Uh, but right. you don't have to have it in Riverside or Avondale. You know, right now, if you go on Airbnb, and you take a look at Riverside and Avondale, which is where, oh, Riverside and Avondale, they're great. Uh, you could get such cheap prices for Airbnbs because there's such a glut of them. Right. Versus, there was a guy at the meeting today who talked about his Airbnb in Stark. Stark, Florida. Where the hell is that? I don't know, but he's the only Airbnb there, and he's killing it. <laughs> okay? And he's killing it because it's in Stark, Florida. So the so growth of Airbnbs very possibly over the next few years will not be the beach, will not be Riverside and Avondale, but right. will be the McClennies. The yeah. Palatkas, you know, the the Starks. It's very possible that they, you know, those areas might, you know, might be the next niche. I don't know. Right. That that was very interesting. The first, I don't know if it was the first one, uh, the first Airbnb meetup or one of the one of the first ones that I went to. Um, when you broke down the study of how many there were the year prior or something like that, and then right. how many there are now, and then you saw, I think you broke down Tampa mm. and how that grew and how where Jacksonville is going. And it is becoming. Do you remember the ratios? Well, I mean, right now Jacksonville has a between twenty five hundred and three thousand Airbnbs, not including <clears throat> the eight hundred at the beach. So if you include it all in, maybe it's about four thousand Airbnbs. When I first started, it was it was less than half of that. Mm, so, yeah. but if you if you think of a city like Kissimmee outside of Orlando, they have thirty thousand or forty thousand. Right. So it's hard to predict, and I have no clue what the number is going to be when you're oversaturated. Yeah, you know, oversaturated is when a number of people who own Airbnbs say, no mas, I want to get out of the Airbnb business. And you see that now where you know, we were talking before, you see posts on Facebook where it's like, hey, selling all my furniture for my Airbnb, this is really not working out well. Right. You know, people thought they were getting into the business. Oh, I thought it was going to be very passive. It's, it, it's not passive if you're managing your own Airbnb. Oh, yeah. You can't have a property manager. You can try it on your own. It's not even passive if you have someone managing your Airbnbs. <laughs> Shit. It's, it's a very different model then long-term rental it's a very different model than a lot of other things but you know I, I enjoy it you know for now but i'm not really grow i'm not really trying to grow it right now i have 19 i've only added i think one or right. two this year but that really has to do with the fact of the price point yep. and the mortgage rates yeah if the mortgage rates came down to five percent again and the prices were about where they are now you, you probably still could still, you probably could still yeah. make it work yeah yeah we we got ours at like about a five um and i remember it was like five and a half refinance and i was like shit i missed the wave of the fours on debt service and now i'm like dude i'm so fucking happy i got the fives <laughs> i'm so happy i have I one fives. loan that is 3.875 which is just unbelievable oh, the idea that i have God. a loan on a again based on the asset and the yes, threes that's insane. You know, most of mine are in the fours and fives and that's right, fine right. but they're great because long term even if i had to put in long-term tenants i would still cash flow somewhat right. Right. And there's yeah. no reason, even with the appreciation we've had, we've had about a 40% appreciation over the last couple of years. And if the appreciation went down to 20%, it's like, who cares? You know, right. I'm not, you know, unless I have to sell. And one of the things I try to tell people is if you have a portfolio of properties, look, every year you should look at all your properties and put them in order of, I like this the best, I like this the worst, or this makes me the most money, this makes me the least money. And maybe you should cull the bottom 5%, 10%, something like that. Right. But, you know, I go to a number <clears> of <throat> seminars, you know, some of them down in Tampa with these, these old time gurus. Who are like never sell, you know? They right. just keep keep forever. You know, eventually, eventually, you could you could either borrow against the houses, you could leave it for a legacy for your children or 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 heirs. Uh, so, but I, I'm not that way, you know, because right. you know, because I traded stocks. I'm always like, you know, at the end of the day, I tried to be flat. So, you know, always in the back of my mind, it's like, do I want this house? You know, you know how's it going to be? So, I'm always caught between whether or not I want to keep all my houses versus sell a couple, and then right. can maybe and maybe kind of upgrade the houses to either nicer houses or into multifamily. One of the people who comes to the meeting talks about the idea that he wants to sell a couple of his houses, take the money, and ten thirty one exchange into like a multifamily. Right. 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 right, but but right now the multifamilies are just crazy. I mean, they're crazy prices. They're crazy, yeah. you know, cap rates. Do I do I want to be in a in a, an asset where with a three percent cap rate or a five percent cap rate? Not not particularly. Right, right. So, what do you think is next for you right now? Like, what what are you working on? Is it just staying chill because of everything going on in the market, or what, what, what are you, yeah, I think I think staying thing? chill over the next six months is really one of the keys. Okay. There's no doubt that a lot of people in the real estate industry, realtors, are going to leave the industry. There's yeah. just not enough. There's not enough business here. You know, people can't. A lot of people can't afford the houses at these interest rates. 
and at these prices. Well, they're going to move whether or not their prices come down another five or 10%, interest rates come down another couple points. So there's nothing wrong with, with keeping your powder dry a little for six months to just to see what happens. I'm, I'm going to continue lending. I've got, I did a couple loans last week. I have a couple loans you know, coming up next week. Nice. But they'll be they'll be a little more conservative to people who who generally know what they're doing. Right. They they're going to have more risk involved because nobody knows whether a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house in in four months is going to sell at two hundred fifty thousand, or you're going to have to sell at two twenty, yeah. or two hundred, <clears throat> or, or somewhere about there. So right. I mean nobody knows, but I mean I like the idea of being more conservative right now. N nothing as far as new. The past split stuff is fascinating to me, and I would I, you know I'm I'm contemplating the idea of <clears> taking <throat> one of my Airbnbs and turning it into a pad split. Or buying a property that that a path split will work in, because I really do think longer term, you're always going to have this segment of the market that can't afford fifteen hundred dollars a month rent, but can afford one hundred and fifty dollars a week room. Uh, and right. it's different demographics, but they have a model that they've used for many years. And path split is growing here in Jacksonville. I think there's going to be a lot more of them. Oh uh, yeah, so, yeah. So I, I would definitely look into that. Doesn't the property have to confer? Uh, uh qualify to be a pad split property not all properties work for that model it's clearly not all properties work pad split comes walks the property with you and tells you how to turn your three or four bedroom into a five six or seven bedroom or nine bedroom somebody somebody at the uh, airbnb meeting last week uh talked or the pad split meeting talked about a nine bedroom house yeah uh where it was like wow. a two-story the nine bedroom it sounded crazy to me but the numbers were awesome as far as cash flow and again different model different advantages and disadvantages to having a pad split but i do think that it's potentially a good long, a long-term model. Right. Yeah. It right. sounds like it might be a good long-term model, but if something happens and you have to sell, it's going to be tough to sell something that doesn't conform to like a regular uh, homeowner's asset. Right. Because if you take your living room and dining room away and make them bedrooms, I mean, right. what are you doing? You're really just putting up sheetrock and, and two by fours and stuff like that. Theoretically, if you have to sell, you can put it back to a regular house. Right. right. But do not make it a nine bedroom house and then get it appraised because the appraiser is going to walk in and be like, I can't appraise this. This is not a house. Right. So you have to be very careful as far as the types of loans that you're going to get with that. That's and interesting. And the regulations. And you know, what are the zoning regulations? Is it possible that that municipalities would be like, look, we don't want nine people living in the same house who are not related to each other. Right. Padswood kind of gets around that by you're actually you're actually leasing it to Padsplit. And they're having a they have a membership program to be in the house. It's right. not really tenant landlord Correct. law. But I kind of think that's kind of going around the rules and maybe the rules will change. Right. But again, that's intriguing to me. You mentioned you know, what, what else what else to do? I'm doing flip. I'm doing a couple flips right now with, with my contractor who I love, but I'm mainly doing them because I, I treat it as a hard money loan and I joint venture with the contractor. He's just a really good guy. And it's my way of helping him out. And and we, you know, we find if we find an opportunity, then he'll flip. Then he'll flip the house himself. With my money and we're kind of split the profit so i do a right. little of that but that, oh, that's, that's awesome. not you know that's not my that's not my cup of tea who, right. who mainly finds those opportunities is it him keeping his eyes out or both of no, you no i think or... I, the wholesalers call me so i mean besides the fact that I'm, I'm on a lot of wholesaler lists shit and, we don't call you yeah thank you yeah, thank god <laughs> i haven't bought a house from you guys in, in two years but I, but I have bought houses from you yeah so yeah. and that's one of the challenges with wholesalers. oh that's gonna change real quick <laughs> one of the challenges with wholesalers right now is that they're living in the market of 2020, early 2022, late 2021, when hedge funds were paying crazy prices for houses sure. yep. and yep. they need to readjust and they need to go to sellers and say, that's not the market anymore. We can't, yep. we can't sell your house and make a 30, 40, $50,000. Well, whether they fee. go back or not, it's going to happen with or without right. them. Right. right. Because, because some percentage of people have to sell their houses. Yeah. So yeah. with, with regards to, you know, I, I, I'm willing to do a joint venture with somebody who I know. Uh, I'm lending I'm lending money to somebody next week who they're a, they're a wholesaler they you know they've never flipped a house but we kind of we kind of walk through it and talk to them and I think the numbers work for them where they'll wind up if they wholesale the house they would make ten grand but I think if they flip the house it doesn't need a lot of work I think they'll make twenty five grand and I said look I'd like to you know do a, not a joint venture I'll just loan you the money and I'll just kind of you know help you guys out and, and watch it I, and they're just a nice nice young couple and they've come to my Whitey's meeting for for a number of months. And they also brought me a deal, which I, you know, I'm going to make a lot of money on as well. Oh, that's awesome. Are Amazing. they going to use your guy? Uh, no, 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 no. no. Um, so what would your advice be to people who are thinking about lending money, private lending money? Okay. So no, it's, uh, you have to know the numbers better than anything else. And, and you have to know the numbers of what a house is going to eventually sell for theoretically. And, and if you don't know, then, then find an agent who you're friendly with and say, can you do the comps on this? 
I'm looking to I'm looking to lend to this person this amount of money. They think it's going to be worth this. Can you do you agree or disagree with the numbers? So start with the what what the after repair value is going to be estimate. Okay. okay. If you're just if you're an initial private lender and you've never done this before, then I probably wouldn't give more than 50% of the ARV or 60% of the ARV at most. And that's it. And it's like most people are going to turn you down because they want, well, I want 90% of the money. I want, I don't want to put in that much money. It's like, well, I, I, I don't know, I don't know enough and I don't want to lose my money. Yep. So I joke about the fact that, you know, I've been poor and I've been not poor and you know, I prefer being not poor. Yeah. And, and nothing is more important to me than just getting my money back. And if we're going to do a split loan, all I care about is getting your money back and my money back. Yep. So the interest, the interest is nice. And that, you know, that's <clears> the goal <throat> to grow the assets so that eventually I can retire on them. But the most important thing is getting my money back. And I just, I do not want to take a house back ever, ever. Yeah. So just be Have super conservative. To? Never had to. But we've also had a market that's gone straight up for four years. Yeah. If the market true. went straight down for four years, I don't know what the hell would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like your wife said, every five to 10 years, we figure something <laughs> else out, right? <laughs> Maybe Glenn will have a product soon, a, cor a course or something. Yeah, and, and people, people have asked me about that. It's like, it's like I love the fact that you could go on YouTube. Before you watch a video, there's an ad. And you're like, oh, my God, that looks good. It's like, oh. And it's so hard to be like, oh, let me just click on learn more. Dude, yeah, then, you're just curious. And then, and then, and then you get a free book. You professional download a free marketers, book. right, professional marketers have spent many hours and many thousands of dollars getting you to be like, I just got to get into this funnel. Yes. If I get into this funnel. Dude, it's a free course it, a free next course, Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, just I just got to come for the one day, and then yeah. you're ninety nine dollars, and at the end of ninety nine dollars, oh, it's only up five hundred, and then this private one on one. Oh my <laughs> god, this is awesome! And at the end of the day, I've got a whole shelf full of things that I haven't done shit with, and and I have no money. Dude, that's so good. I love it. So when is your course coming out? <laughs> <laughs> Never sell education. That was one of the things that Deb, who ran the Jacks Reese meetings before I did, she hated. She hated the fact that. You would go to these seminars, you'd go to these meetings and they would just hammer you with trying to sell you the courses. Yeah. And it's like, she didn't like that. She just wanted a, a place where people can go and kind of share information. <clears throat> right. And I love that. I love Dude, the fact that, that people did. Now, look, if you could sell your course and you really do have great value. And I, I bought courses. I bought courses myself. Not yeah. a lot. Uh, I generally prefer to go to seminars for $500, $1,000. I, I don't really want to spend more than that. Even though you know, I've, I, I see the value in masterminds. Uh, and I have not joined the mastermind, but I, I see great value in masterminds of being in a room with very successful people who will, you know, take your bullshit and throw it out the window and tell you what you really need to hear to get to your goal. Right. But for me, it's like I'm kind of at my goal right now. Yeah. I, I I enjoy it. I'm you know, I'm not your I'm not your guy's age. I'm 53. Our and, age. Our age. Yeah, of course. That's eh, 15 years between you. So. <laughs> and you're like, as I, old as we are. And, when you're our age. Right. And, and I, I I I um. I want to not work that hard right now. You know, I met a guy. So when, when I went to one of, the, one of the Yellowbird events a couple months ago where they had a young uh, panel mm. of guys who were just young and aggressive. And it's like, my God, I would kick their ass if I was just 25 younger, 25 <laughs> years younger. <laughs> a bunch of fucking idiots <laughs> if I was younger. But it's like, I'm just not that. And I just don't oh, need that's it. That's awesome. Um, and there yeah. are people who have great goals and they want to you know, get enough money for a helicopter and a Lamborghini and this like that. I'm just, I'm just right. not that way. Right. You know? You know, it's so awesome that real estate found you. I was just thinking to myself, like, prior to real estate, did you almost get into something else? Did you almost go in a different direction? Because you've done a, a few different things. I've done a few different things. And I, and I would have done something else. I would have started another business, bought another franchise, done something else. Right. Uh, and just, you know, real estate is just fucking awesome. Yeah. It is. Dude, I remember when I when I uh, met you that night at the Jack's Rhea and... Um, I was like, dude, this, I really was like how you were about that guy. I was like, dude, this guy is wealthy and he's got money. Cause I'll never forget. You were like, Hey, I'm Glenn. And we started talking and then you're like, yeah. So I was curious about the real estate market. So I lent some money to JWB and then I wanted to see what they did with that product. So then I bought a house from JWB and I was like, oh shit. All right. This guy's it's like, got he money. did it for the experience, right, not right. for the investment risk. Correct. It's like, this guy's lending money to see how that works and then buying a house to see how that product is not because of the ROI or because of the just and I was like this guy this guy is, is gonna be something and um and I'm still, sure I, enough and, and I'm still five foot nothing and it's great yeah uh, but, but you know, here I am four years later and I can tell you that that I have great experience over the last four years and I hope to be in it for another 40 years however, you know, however, yeah. however long God allows me to be here and it's been fun and it's, it's fun doing deals with people who either are a improving the neighborhood 
you know, giving your know, new rehab houses to people. It feels great when you go into a house and you and you look around, and you're like, my God, this is a horror show. And then you go three months later or six months later, and the house is beautiful. And not only is, is somebody going to really enjoy that house, but the county is going to get tax money. And, yeah. and you're going to have a, a, a neighbor who takes care of their house. And you're like, you know, I had a small part in this. Right. I didn't do the work, but right. I had a small part to play in this. And that, that really brings a lot of joy to me. And I'm really grateful for the opportunities I've had to work with plenty of people. Jack Shreya and a lot of the groups, Yellowbird has been just just terrific also. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, all all the groups, I, I will say I will echo that. Jacksonville has been is just one of those markets where I'm just shocked when I go out to other markets and I'm like, guys, go to your RIA groups or go to your and they're like, ah, those things suck, man. Nobody goes to those things. And it's just a fucking course, whatever. And like, there's no meetups and they got to create their own meetup because there's nobody meeting up and whatever. I'm just like, dude, we're blessed right. to really be in Jacksonville, at, you know. It's a great market, but I, I do think it 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 comes down to um, the mindset that everybody has in Jacksonville. Just that, like you said, hey, if I don't have the money to do the loan, I'm just going to refer you to other people who have the money to do the loan instead of just being like, I don't got the money to do a loan. Call me in a month when I got the money. It's right. like, no, hey, I, I'm going to help you out. Like, let's because let's it, really, this out. it really does because you've been helped right. here. So you help and it just kind of trickles down. Um, so yeah, I really feel like Jacksonville has that community of just like, Hey, I've been helped. I'm going to help. And one day I'll get it back or I won't get it back, but it doesn't really matter because, because yeah. you know, for me, it's the idea of helping somebody else. Cause I know I've been helped already <clears throat> yeah. and, it, and the whole concept of paying it forward, it really is our way of paying it forward. It's just terrific. So you know, really do appreciate that people come to the meetings. They see value in it. Uh, you know, I love when I meet somebody who came to my meeting a year ago or six months ago or whatever. And they're like, oh, I love that meeting. It's great, but it's on a Tuesday and I can't look at for lunch. And it's like, Oh, cause you know, cause you know, they, they're normal. They have a regular job. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. Normal people can't, <laughs> can't drive an hour, then spend an hour and then drive back an hour. Shit. But, but the connections, but you it's make, worth the it. Connections I will say it is worth forever. it. It is 100% worth it. Dude. When you came to the white meeting the first time, you're like, my God, it's so far away. Dude, uh, and it is far. Yeah, I was so out. late. Right. I'm yeah, so <laughs> used to showing up five minutes late. Are a lot of the attendees uh, local? No, to not at all. Not at really? all. Really? Yeah. They come from anywhere. But everybody, uh, dude, it's fucking worth right. it. But to, but today it's like, you know, I, I, I generally <clears> start to being saying, yeah, who's first meeting? And it was at least 10 people who'd never come to a meeting before. It's like, yeah. well, how do you find out about these meetings? Uh, and it, it literally is as simple as I post it on bigger pockets, which is great. But it's another whole, another wormhole that you could go into for oh, days yeah. and weeks and years and yeah. and never do anything. I post on bigger pockets. I post on Meetup yeah. and I post on a couple of Facebook groups. Yeah. And there's other groups here in Jacksonville that you should do as well. Besides Jack Shreya, uh, Jackie Hers has a monthly monthly community yeah. meeting. Hers meetup. is awesome. Hers is awesome too. And yeah, she's trying to expand it beyond beyond real estate people because it's just mainly real estate people. But she does a great job. And you just need to get out there. And it's a it, it is a contact sport. Yeah. You need to get out there and meet people and, and kind of find your path. And it doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. It, it doesn't. Lots of people get into real estate. Lots of people get out of real estate. It doesn't yeah. work for everybody. Yeah. So what are you, what are you most excited about right now? I'm most, I'm, I'm most excited about the fact that I don't know what the hell is going to happen over the next six or nine months. And just kind of being, you know, being open-minded and curious as to, okay, what can happen? And it's like, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for a black swan. Yeah. You know, I'm not looking for you know, this whole thing with the, um, the United Kingdom where there was a pension crisis and who the hell knows what's going to happen or the Bank of Japan. I just, I just want to be <clears throat> in real estate, but not so, not so into myself that I don't see the bigger picture. So, right. you know, th th so this year I got my mortgage origination license. And the reason I got that is because people who I give hard money loans to came back to me and said, Hey, can you get me out into a, a normal loan, normal 30 year loan? I'm like, what? You don't want to pay 14% every year? What's, what's the matter with you? <laughs> so I got my mortgage origination license, and it's just, I'm just, I'm a curious person. I like learning. You know, e you know e even, e even in my 50s, I like so learning. You can it's fun. I could refi you, but you don't what? want to refi now because the rates are terrible. It doesn't um, matter. I just want to do another deal with Glenn. I'll pay <laughs> whatever I got to pay. We're, we're curious. We're curious. Right. We're just curious. <laughs> and I just, I want to be open minded as far as, okay, I, we haven't seen this, we haven't seen this market before like this. Yeah. And what's going to happen in six or nine months? And maybe a year from now, we just look back and say, hey, you know, that was terrible, but we got through it. Right. And now we're back to you know, regular price appreciation. Greg Cohen from JWB has a has a show he's on every week. And he talks about long-term price appreciation, 4%, 5%. Look, 
that would nothing would make me happier than if we just got back to long-term price appreciation right. of four percent or five percent. And if it means dropping twenty-five percent from where we are, so people can afford houses again, yeah, I'm okay with that because right. I'm not selling my house. I'm not forced to sell my house. Right. It's going to suck for people who are forced to sell their house, right. but for the people who either have great mortgages or don't have to sell, it'll be fine for most people. It, it's scary, you know, when you when you go onto Google and you type in housing news and it's all bad, bad, bad. Yeah, it's kind of scary, but yeah. We have to we have to figure out we have to get through this. The Federal Reserve has to do its 100%. job because you, you can't you cannot go to you cannot go buy milk at three dollars and then four dollars and then five dollars and then seven dollars and then ten dollars. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Right. Or you can't buy a freaking house in three two two oh nine for two hundred and eighty grand. No. Correct. Right. And you can't you can't hope that if you buy a house for two hundred eighty grand in oh nine, that five years from now it's gonna be worth three hundred and eighty grand. Correct. Because what happens if it's worth a hundred and eighty grand? Yes. So, uh, so really be careful about right. the areas of town where the price appreciation was so significant that if you that if it went down 25%, what would you do? And you have yeah. to try to think of a like yeah. worst case scenario. Okay, if the prices went down 25% next year, what would you do? Right. And if the end and the answer should mostly be nothing. Yeah. It should mostly be yeah. if the rent is higher than my mortgage payment, then I should be okay regardless of what the price is. It doesn't really matter what the price is right. because I want to live on cash flow. That's that's the goal. Yeah. That should be the goal for real estate investors, living on cash flow. You're not working, you're not you're, you're changing time your time for money, but eventually building assets and eventually having the assets you know, you fund, fund your retirement. Right. Oh, man. Talking with, with Glenn Friedman. This has been amazing. It's always, I would say, eye-opening to hear from somebody who's, not not afraid but even, but it's because you know the risks and you weigh out the risks so one piece of advice to anybody watching last thing network you, you really have to go out and network you have to either join jack for you or make it a habit i'm reading i'm reading the power of habit right now from doohick and it's just terrific and habits are hard to create whether or not that's going to the gym or eating better or stuff like that very hard to very hard to do but you have to make it part of part of your weekly or weekly schedule or monthly schedule to spend one two three hours going to real estate meetings talking to other people and then figuring out how to do a deal like i said the hardest part is doing the first deal in my first flip i lost five thousand bucks I, I told that story many years ago when when you guys were running the yellowbird uh, yellowbird event oh the speak the speak yellowbird oh, speak yeah, event. Yeah. Yeah. and it was great i mean i don't like losing nobody likes losing five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars but it was great experience and i could afford to lose it if you can't afford to lose it, then joint venture with somebody right. who knows a lot more than you. There's many people here who know a lot more than I do. And you know, thank God I could pick up the phone and call a lot of them and say, hey, what would you do in this situation? Yeah. But the one piece of advice is get out there, network, be grateful for the fact that we have a wonderful market here and you know, do a deal. Yeah. No, I love it. So some a couple people commented. Um, my favorite comment is probably when you said a lot of people are getting kicked in the balls right now. My boy Tang, Tang uh, said, "Protect your balls. You got to protect your balls right now. It's important. One hundred percent. That's awesome, man. So, who wants unprotected balls? We got, <laughs> got Mayor. Mayor said, NYC, New York City, baby. With the heart. Um, Henry, especially if done in an, in a Roth IRA for post tax compounding. Pang, saying what's up. That's awesome, man. So." If anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I mean, I'm easy to find on Facebook. I mean, you could just Google Glenn Friedman. The name of my company is Gramercy Union, and that's named for two neighborhoods I used to live in in New York: Gramercy Union, Gramercy Park, and, and Union Square. So, the name oh, of my company is Gramercy Union. But I'm on you know, I'm on Facebook you know, regularly, and it uh, sounds like a lending company. Actually, Gonzalo came up with the the perfect name of the Glending. So glending. I, so I was gonna, that's I, the one. I was gonna I was gonna trademark Glending or the Glender. You should, oh, the mm. Glender, dude. I'm going to really, trademark it really and then sell it to you. <laughs> I'm going to sell it to you. I don't really want a company that only is me because th theoretically, you know, can you sell a lending company? You know, if I have a book of business <clears> where people come to me over time, could I eventually sell the lending business? Theoretically, I could. It's not something I think about right now, yeah. but it, it, it's possible to have an asset. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, so, uh, but I'm easy to find. And you know, I love going to Jack Shreya meetings. You know, I have the Whitey's meeting once a month on uh, the last Wednesday of the month. You know, tomorrow night there's a meeting in Orange Park. I always recommend you know, that meeting as well. It's a great meeting. And then when when do you host the uh, Airbnb meeting for the Jacks Rio? Generally, it's the second Wednesday of the month. 
uh, at the Jack Taria office. Uh, and if you go to jacktaria.com, you know, you can find all information about that. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, dude, you guys write that down the fourth Monday, second Wednesday, last <laughs> Thursday, good Friday. <laughs> Every good Friday is good. Um, even I'm Jewish and good Friday is a good, cause you usually get off. Yeah. <laughs> Double dip it, man. Well, dude, thanks so much for doing this, man. It's always a blast. Really? Always an it, open guys. book. We always learn a ton and I'm sure yeah. all of our viewers learn a ton. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you didn't watch the full episode, make sure you rewatch this on our YouTube channel. And Glenn, thanks again. Guys, I'm G. Guys, and I'm Dom. This is the Cash Sheets Network. Network. Peace. Good night.